goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. going on irish fans welcome into another edition of the golden homers podcast it is wednesday after a tough loss at home against stanford 16 to 14 probably not the uh the game that most people were expecting regardless if it was going to be a win or a loss i think um with the way things were trending for notre dame uh people expected a different output on offense and just as, as the team as a whole i'm nathan erbach with me as always is my co-host mason Plummer here to break things down for you uh, talk a little Stanford. We'll get into UNLV, and then we'll do our normal stuff, our over-unders, our game predictions, bold predictions, so on and so forth. Um, we'll finally get to some fan questions. I know we forgot or not had enough to do them on some weeks. Um, Irish in the NFL as well. I think that's one of our uh, a fun segment for the fans. So um, let's get into it. Mason, how are you doing today? Um, how's your week been? <laughs> any any coworkers giving you some some crap? Uh, the main one that was always giving me crap this year, uh, he actually moved on to another job. So that's just awesome for me. Um, the other and the other one, you know, if they don't feed off of each other, it's not nearly as bad. So um, didn't really hear anything this week. I think all the jokes have ran their course. Notre Dame's not going to be good this year. So uh, that's that's its own thing. But yeah, I watched Stanford out at my girlfriend's family's place. They had it on a TV in like a barn and. Uh, with her family so I had to kind of rein it in and not you know yell at the tv or anything so um, but watching them lose um, and not being able to to really let it all out was was difficult but uh, fireball helps with that I guess not your favorite we learned that but uh, yeah not not a great game by any means I'm just thinking back as I was writing my bold predictions and you know that Stephen Jelly would get in throw his first touchdown or whatever and didn't anticipate Notre Dame only scoring 14 points. So didn't go the way anybody thought it would. I don't even think Stanford looked great. I think Notre Dame just looked bad. I don't know if Notre Dame really beat themselves, but the ball, I'm not even going to say it. If the ball just bounces a couple different ways, I mean, Notre Dame forced like five or six fumbles and they all got them all back. Stanford did. So just a weird game. Overall, I don't really know what to make of it. I listened to all the press conferences, listened to all the interviews, and it's just – I don't know if anybody knows what happened. I don't know if you do. I don't, certainly. Yeah, you all – I mean, part of me, like, wants to chalk it up to just kind of like a random game, but the problem is, is, like, when you've had the two losses already on the schedule, I mean, again, and I said this last week, you can throw out Ohio State a little bit because, they, they, you know, they, they played pretty well against Ohio State. Their offense wasn't amazing, obviously, there, but Ohio State's a good football program. Um, you know, obviously, and their defense is much better, but it, it's hard to just be like, oh, okay, it's a random game when you had when you've lost to Marshall and when you've struggled against Cal um, in, in certain parts. But it did seem like it was starting to trend up. But when you really dive into it, there is just kind of like this randomness uh, t- to the game overall, in, in the sense that, like you mentioned, there were, I think there were three official fumbles um, and then two others that. Like one wasn't called, but it looked like it was close on like from the whistle. Um, like it was kind of like in the pile, they blew the whistle and it just never got reviewed to see if it was a fumble. And then the other one that I think most people are going to sort of reflect on is, you know, Notre Dame had a chance to close out the game. Stanford was sort of driving or, or whatever it was. And they, um, they fumbled, Notre Dame picked it up, 
it, they called it a fumble on the field. It was reviewed. They, they changed it, even though it looked like it shouldn't have been changed. Um, not only from like, I think it was actually like pretty substantial evidence that it was a fumble, but if, but if it wasn't, let's just say it wasn't like, I don't know what the definition of, you know, of, you know, inconclusive evidence is these days or, or conclusive evidence. So um, that, that was frustrating. So not like that, that's why this game was so random is like, not only did Notre Dame not play well, and we're obviously going to get into that and they deserve a lot of the blame for the loss, but it kind of goes back to what you said. There were just like these fluky, like non-turnovers that Notre Dame could have had. The defense like kind of continued to play well, but just didn't give your offense like good field position in a lot of aspects. And, you know, I, I hate to say it. I mean, I know they only gave up 16 points, but, you know, your defense does need to do things like turn the football over for, for your offense in order. That's what the best teams do. They don't just rely on, you know, your offense to score 52 points or, or even like in this case, 21 points to win games. You got to flip field position sometimes. Um, I mean, the, the special teams did kind of force a turnover in that sense. Um, so from that regard, they probably should have, you know, converted that um, into some points or, or more points, I should say. Uh, but the, I thought the refs were very bad. Um, it was like, at least, I mean, I, maybe we say this a couple of times a year, so it gets sort of, um, you know, lost in the shuffle a little bit, but it, it did feel like one of the worst uh, officiated games that I can remember. Um, and, you know, in the last at least five to six years. Um, and then of course, obviously the offense just didn't convert. We can talk about execution on that. We can talk about, you know, play calling, whatever it may be, but, you know, I think that there were points left on the field and um, in, in a variety of ways. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it didn't strike me as a bad refereeing performance the first time around, but the second time it definitely was. I think that's because I was, you know, having side conversations. I wasn't intently watching every play like I usually do when it's just me or a couple of buddies in the living room. So, uh, yeah, it, the refereeing performance wasn't good. You hate to blame it on that because Notre Dame had plenty of chances to score more points and win the game. But it certainly didn't help. So, just super frustrating all around, I think, on a lot of different levels for you, special teams, offense, defense, coaching, schematics, you name it. Um, it's super frustrating. The most potentially fr most frustrating, just the guys that were out there making plays that didn't get to play anymore. Like it was pointed out to me that after Merriweather scored his touchdown, which I missed, by the way, um, I didn't get to see that live. Uh, he didn't touch the field again for whatever reason. I'm sure there's a, a reason to that, but. I mean, like, what the hell? So like, he did. He did touch the field. He just wasn't really like he wasn't targeted. Like okay. I, I was I was confirmed that that he did actually see the field after that. But um, just to I guess just for clarification reasons. But uh, but obviously right. was not targeted or, you know, on that last drive or whatever it may be. Not enough. So I don't know. It is what it is, I guess. It's, it's just overall super frustrating. Yeah, no, certainly frustrating. It's one of those things where, you know, I think this Notre Dame team has some talent on it. You can see some of the future, you know, pieces that, that are there. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, the the three running backs specifically, I mean, Estime and and Diggs have specifically at least another year. Um, you know, you hope that you get, you know, like a Jadarian Price next year to kind of get into that mix as well. Maybe Tyree's back, who knows? Uh, um, you know, and then obviously you have, you know, some young guys coming in at receiver. Merriweather finally had that, you know, that signature moment for himself as a freshman. And hopefully that kind of continues to grow. And, you know, we see him, we see him as a guy that is not only, you know, someone that we feel like should be on the field more, but is on the field more uh, moving forward. So there's definitely some talent, but right now it's hard to say this football team is good. 
you know, simply because they're three and three and, you know, you know, you've, you've, you have beaten a few good teams in North Carolina and BYU, but you've beaten some, you've lost to some pretty bad teams in, in Stanford and, and Marshall. So um, it, all around, you know, like you said, it's just kind of frustrating. And um, one thing I do want to point out, because there's a lot of people that are not only even there, there, some people are off the Reese thing and they're like, now they're on Freeman. <clears throat> in the sense that they think Freeman should be fired or he's not the guy. And one thing I want to at least point out when it comes to that is first and foremost, like one of the big reasons that we all liked Freeman was from a recruiting standpoint, and he's been on campus for less than two years. So when we think about it from that, I mean, honestly, maybe less than, I mean, when when was he hired? Like last January Um, or like, like two Januaries ago. So about what about like a year and a half he's been on campus there's probably a total of about 15, 16 kids that he physically recruited and probably none of them are, or, or barely none of them are playing. I mean, maybe like a Benjamin, Benjamin Morrison, um, you know, Jaden Mickey, they're seeing the field, but you don't really have any, cause he was the defensive guy. So it wasn't like he was re- out there recruiting offensive players specifically. So if you want to throw some blame on some of the old regime, Tommy Reese included, um, you know, stuff like that, that, that I'm okay with, even if I disagree to a certain extent, but from Freeman's just specifically Freeman's standpoint, I think fans just need to chill a, a little bit, let him have a few years, a year or two. I mean, you don't want to lose to Marshall and Stanford. I get it. Um, and some people will kind of use that as a red flag and, you know, so be it, but I, I think you've got to give a coach a little bit more time to really fully evaluate. And then on top of that, you know, you, there's this, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I don't even really know how to describe it. There's like the, 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 the learning curve. And then I think this team is just maybe a little bit more of a rebuilding team than maybe we originally thought, I guess that's kind of what I was really going to get at is so not only do you have the first time head coach, but, but maybe Kelly really did kind of leave just right at the right time, knowing that it might be a couple year rebuild. Or, or at least a year rebuild. Yeah, I think the question I keep bringing myself back to is what would Notre Dame's record be if it was still Kelly? I don't know what your thoughts are there. I think probably four and two, maybe five and one. Just more experience there. I think there's still a lot of talent, but the talent isn't playing up to the, yeah. the standard that it should be. So I don't know if it, if it still does with with Kelly. Like guys like, like Isaiah Fosky hasn't been his – not even – I don't even know if I should say his normal self, but what we expected him to be. A lot of times he's non-existent. He's made a couple of plays, but not a first-round caliber. Mayer's been a dude, but you know, outside of that, who's really stood out as dudes that I don't know. I, I don't know if, if it would be better under Kelly or not. I just think about it this way, and like there's never been a point in the game where I've been like, oh man, Freeman really screwed that up. You know what I mean? And, and, and I mean that kind of in a positive, I mean, I mean that in like, not really in a positive way, but just kind of like in a, like, I know, maybe that's just something we don't think about when, when we're watching the game and, and maybe that's where coaching really factors in and fans don't really kind of think about it, but you know, it, it's just a kind of a weird situation. Cause like in the Marshall game, partially in the Cal game, and then, you know, obviously in the in the Stanford game, there was never a point in time where I'm sitting there like, oh, man, if Kelly was the coach, this would have been different. And so I don't know. I, it's hard to tell. I think that's kind of like a, a scenario that fans just kind of need to get, get out of their head. Kelly's not here. He's not coming back. 
Freeman is the guy most of us wanted. So, um, you know, we'll see where it takes us. And I, right now I would just say, be patient with it. Um, and, and one, one comment I made to like our, our buddy, John, um, I don't think it was, I don't think it was him that specifically said it, but it was someone that replied to his tweet. Um, I said, I think it's okay to be frustrated with the program right now. Um, Cause I think going into this year, we thought maybe there was a minor rebuild, but it was kind of just like the program was in a healthy place. That was like our, that was our rhetoric. You know, the entire off season was that this was, this program was in a healthy place. Frame is just going to bring it over the top. I think part of that we were off on a little bit, but then secondly, it's just, you know, there, there's just this idea that, you know, there isn't going to be a learning curve uh, with a new coach. And uh, I don't think we accounted for that as much as maybe we should have. Um, but blame the program right now, I think more than the, the new head coach. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's program why and I don't know if that's better or worse to say but it's not I think you bring up a good point that there hasn't been a moment where you're like you point out oh yeah that was that was Freeman's fault as far as clock management or just not knowing how to be a head coach because he hasn't shown that so yeah I, I think we just got to take the lumps as they come and I expect them to be in in big games not necessarily the bad ones but here we are yeah and kind of to the point about Kelly versus Freeman, at least not anything like sort of game changing. I mean, there might've been a few things here and there where you're like, okay, you know, maybe this, maybe that, but it's kind of just all picking and choosing however you want to go about it. And so I guess from that perspective, I just don't think that there's really been that moment. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think fans just really need to lean on what they, the reason they wanted Freeman. And that big part was, is that, he connects well with guys. He's a leader and, you know, he's, he's a dynamic recruiter and the more and more he's, if, for example, if he's able to keep kind of this class intact and then, you know, kind of build off that and continue to get better, we'll see where year four and year five are, because that's where I think it's going to be really, really, that's where I think it's going to be easier to judge him and kind of, not even easier, but just kind of like the reason to judge him based off those years than, than now. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, yeah, I think it's just so people have so many like varying opinions on it that it just gets, it gets frustrating to scroll through Twitter right now. I've tried to stay off actually <clears throat> because there's people calling for his head already and it's six games in, like that's not going to happen. And you know, people legitimately think that that's a possibility and it's not. So it's just a frustrating spot when the games are supposed to. Hopefully people will feel better if they're able to, you know, put the beating down on UNLV. So I, I guess the next thing to kind of go over here is, I mean, obviously you have UNLV coming up, you know, obviously before the season started, this was supposed to be a gimme, just kind of like Marshall. Um, I would argue, honestly, that Marshall's probably a better football program, even with some of the losses that they've obtained since Notre Dame. Um, and I also don't think anybody's going to sort of sneak up on Notre Dame again. I think I think the team started kind of getting into a groove. And then they I mean, I think even Freeman sort of references is that the, the kids know like when they're favored, like they're not idiots. And so you kind of had the letdown against Marshall after the Ohio State game that kind of made a little bit of sense. You started building upon that the next three weeks um, or at least two and a half weeks, you know, and then all of a sudden now you're kind of feeling yourself a little bit. The offense is playing well, defense is playing okay. Uh, maybe not up to their standards, but certainly good enough to win, to win football games. 
and all of a sudden the Stanford game happens. So then now you have UNLV. I don't think UNLV is going to sneak up on them, not because they're any good, not because I expect it to be a close game or anything like that, but I think that happens twice in a season. And now it's like, okay, we, we can't afford to lose any other games or at least any games like this um, or keep some of these games close and have any sort of respect. Like Notre Dame's got to finish – if they want any sort of respect at the end of the season, they, they essentially probably got to finish eight and four. Yeah. So they got to beat they got to beat one of Clemson or I mean, they don't necessarily have to beat one of Clemson or USC because that would put them or no, actually, no, that would that would put them at eight and four. Right. If they beat one of them and lost the other, that would be an eight and four record, assuming they won the rest of their games. But I think they almost have to be eight and four. One of those is a home game against Clemson. One of them is a road game against USC and they haven't beaten you in forever. So, you know, USC is going to come out and probably be really uh, be really you know, pumped up for that game, but then Notre Dame might come into that game with some confidence depending on how the season's going. So, um, so I guess after that long rant a little bit, what do you sort of expect from Notre Dame maybe moving forward this year? Might be a hard question to answer. Um, and, or, or at least maybe starting out with this, just this week, like, what do you, what do you need to see this week? And what do you expect this week out of, out of Notre Dame? I hope to see some fire. I want them to be pissed off. Like you just lost to Stanford. We haven't lost to in a, quite a while. Like, you that's not the kind of thing that happens I mean you you kind of pointed it out that um that they they aren't dumb they know when they're favored they should be favored against a team like uh, Stanford I mean so <clears throat> you mean a couple of tough losses now throughout the season and I don't know hope they come out excited to beat up on a team like UNLV that they know that they're better at better than so moving forward my goal for the season is to finish at seven and five eight and four, but also to split USC and Clemson. Beating both would be great. The season's been all over the place, so I guess that wouldn't necessarily surprise me given the performances we've seen, the ups and downs. Hopefully that's an up, but at the bare minimum, I need to split USC and Clemson. I don't know which one I'd – I think I'd rather beat Clemson and be bigger, but having that streak against USC is always nice. Yeah, from a rivalry standpoint, obviously, I, I think I prefer you the USC, but I, I, I totally get what you mean when it comes to, uh, you know, the Clemson aspect of it. Um, bigger name right now, certainly. But, um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I think I kind of agree with you. I mean, I think for this week specifically, you'd love to see, like, kind of like a 59 to nothing type of win. And I know that's kind of aggressive, but um, you'd, you'd love to see that. And um, bare minimum, you know, just something like 49 to seven or, or whatever it may be, just something where it's like it's never close. You know, you look angry, like you said, you know, you'd love to see like a Steve Angeli somehow in there involved just because um, I mean, specifically after this past week. I mean, that's one thing we haven't really talked about yet is sort of me and you were sort of kind of skeptical, skeptical about Drew Pine in general. Um, you know, the past couple of weeks, we sort of laid off that a little bit just because we kind of had to with the way he was playing overall and the way the offense was playing. But, you know, it's this like, you know, now it's kind of like I kind of want to see Angeli just to see if he's better or if he looks better in game. So um, there's a lot of things that I'd love to see Tobias Merriweather essentially a starter uh, moving forward. And that's not like, a, oh, it's tanked. The season's over you know, just put the young guys in. It's like, no, he, he got his chance and he looked good. He should have had two touchdowns against Stanford. So put him on the field. I mean, get him, you know, I want to see 30 snaps out of him moving forward on a game by game basis, that, that kind of thing. Um, and we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. 
Hey guys, Nathan here from the Golden Homers Podcast. When I'm cooking dinner or grilling on the weekends, I want to use what great chefs use in their steakhouses, exceptional quality meats. Meetup Vegas is my hookup. Meetupvegas.com. That's M-E-A-T, meet, meetupvegas.com. Their specialty meat packs come with veal cutlet, pork chops, and extra meaty pork baby back ribs or prime rib. And you already know meetupvegas.com is known for its unreal steaks. All the meat is individually vacuum sealed to maintain absolute freshness for 200 plus days in your freezer. And it's cheaper than you think. Check it out now at meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your first order. The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930. Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574 570-0622. That's 574-250-0622. All right. Well, with all that said, I mean, I know we could probably talk for days a little bit about this. We started getting into the Drew Pine talk a little bit. It's probably something we we might need to talk about a little bit more down the road. Um, But uh, let's get into something a little bit. We'll get into our predictions in here soon, but let's get into something maybe a little bit um, like – more fun, I guess, right now, or something positive um, regarding Notre Dame. Pretty good week for the Notre Dame guys um, in the NFL. A um, couple guys on this list that have been on the list several times, like Harrison Smith, Julian Love, Drew Tranquil. You know, Jeremiah Wiscomoro is on here a lot as well. He had six tackles, so n- nothing too crazy there. Um, but but Tranquil had two sacks, three QB hits, eight tackles. I think that was a Monday night game, so it was in prime time, which was nice to see. Um, ben, ben Skoronek, um, a guy that's kind of been kind of waiting for his his number to be called a little bit more often in that offense because he does play a lot for the for the Rams. He had five catches for 40 yards. Um, he also had a rushing touchdown of 17 yards or from 17 yards out. So, you know, close to 60-ish yards there and a touchdown. Um, Harrison Smith, six tackles, an interception, two passes defended, uh, a forced fumble. Um, I think I was watching with my roommate um, that game uh, specifically, and I just kept saying every time Harrison Smith made a play, I was like, oh, it's a future Hall of Famer. And then he would make some snide re- snide remark back, and I'm like, uh, you probably should uh, should should listen to him a little, or watch him a little bit more often because um, the, guy's, the guy's a stud day in and day out. So – uh, another guy there, Julian Love had five tackles, two passes defended. He had that big interception at the end of the game uh, to kind of not seal the victory because they were down at the moment, but sort of put put the game over the top for for uh, for the Giants. Ended up ended up scoring and, and winning that game because of that interception. Um, kind of a bad play by Lamar Jackson, which I know probably pleased you, Mason. Um, and then another one that pleased you even, and I think it was in a, in a win, if I'm not mistaken as well, your, your, your Steelers ended up beating uh, Tampa Bay, uh, but Claypool finally had a good day. He had seven catches for 96 yards and a touchdown and another, and a, and a carry for eight yards. So he went over a hundred yards, um, this past week with a touchdown. So, um, those are kind of like the big performances, um, and uh, but yeah, no, I mean, a lot of not just not just like good performances this week, but some really, really great performances out of the Notre Dame crew. Yeah, Claypool had a had a good game for once. Um, hasn't had many recently. So that was good to see. Um, I did comment under one of your tweets that go come get Claypool just because I'm really high on on pickups. I don't we're getting to the time where Claypool should be asking for 
a second contract and I'm not trying to pay him at the moment. We'll see if Kenny gets that, uh, that kind of mojo with, with Claypool. But, you know, as of right now, I'm all in on George Pickens and you got to keep one of Deontay or Chase Claypool. Anyways, um, <laughs> side note on NFL podcast right here, boys. Right. Side note on Claypool. Do you see that video of that? He got a dip from Gunnar Olszewski after the game. I saw like the, wasn't that, there a quote about it? Yeah. Well, he yeah, said, yeah. it was like a celebratory dip or whatever. And it was this huge lip that he packed and never tried it. But there was people commenting like with that big, like he's going to be on the floor, like puking. And it sounds like that was the case. So I thought that was a funny little side note. Yeah, no, it's, um, he, he deserved a good game, I think at, at this point. And there's some other, definitely some other uh, guys like Julian Love, like I said, is on here every week. It seems Drew Tranquil yeah. is pretty much taken over the, as the best linebacker in, 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 uh, for the chargers. Wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, he's kind of a borderline pro bowler this year. Um, sure. the way he's played. I mean, you could probably argue Julian Love as well as sort of in that realm, um, so kind of excited to see who kind of makes the Pro Bowl this year, who makes all pro, second team all pro from a Notre Dame perspective. You know they're going to have some offensive linemen um, involved there as well. So um, up until today or up until this past week, it, it seemed very defensive oriented. And obviously that continued with, you know, with the three guys I mentioned. But it was nice to see, like I said, Ben Skronik finally got his. He's been a valuable piece for that offense for the Rams. Um, but he finally, you know, he hit pay dirt. Um, for the first time in his career, and uh, that's that's always that's always nice to see. And then, obviously, like I said, Claypool, we know the talents there. Um, wouldn't be surprised if he is traded or if he if he's not on, you know, the Steelers in the long run. Um, but he's a guy that I think you put him on the right, you know, right, and put him in the right situation. Obviously, you put him with like maybe an elite quarterback or, you know, a team that needs someone um, specifically to kind of be their number one. Um, I could see him having a much better season if, if that were the case. So. Um, Definitely interested to see how his season sort of ends up. Yeah, I, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I think his ideal situation isn't with the Steelers or the Bears. So I, I'd like to see him go to a, a contender where he can be the second or third guy from a stud quarterback that's a lot better than Kenny P or Justin Fields at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, obviously, selfishly, is guy I want. I yeah. want Claypool. Um, and the Bears definitely need some wide receiver help, and I'm all for – um, and I, I hate to turn this into a, an NFL podcast here, but one of the, my biggest pet peeves as like a fan of sports is like people who think that their team shouldn't go after, or even executives that think their team shouldn't go after pieces at the deadline or whatever, simply because they're out of it. I think sometimes that's the only time you're going to end up getting that guy. You look at baseball this year, Juan Soto, I think 29 teams should have been in on Juan Soto, all of them, every, all, all 29 teams, I don't care what their record was should have been in on Juan Soto simply because he's that good. And obviously Claypool's not the Juan Soto of the NFL, but he's a solid wide receiver. And I think teams like the Bears, who I root for, who need wide receiver help, they should be in on that um, because it might be the only chance you have to go after a guy like that. So um, that that's my rant of the day, I guess, when it comes to that kind of stuff. But uh, let's go ahead and get into <laughs> some more Notre Dame talk. We'll go uh, over-unders here, and then we'll get into our bold and game predictions and so on and so forth. Yeah, first over-under here, over-under four-and-a-half total offensive touchdowns. Okay, so that would put them at – if it was over, that would put them at 35 points automatically, yeah. or I'm, assuming they get the you know the extra points. I am kind of feeling that they score in other ways, but, yeah, that's why I made sure to say offensive touchdowns. Crap. 
that, that's a really, dude, kudos to you. That's a really good over under because not only have did the offense stink it up this past week, so it kind of puts you in that predicament there. But I I agree. Like I think Notre Dame's going to probably score in the forties this week minimum. Um, and I know like maybe that sounds a little bit too bullish, but um, screw it. I'm going to go over because even if even if the defense like sets them up with like a pick or something like that, or, um, you know, assuming it's not like a pick six or, a, you know, a, a kickoff return for a touchdown or something like that, or a special teams touchdown, whatever it may be. Um, like, I think there's, there, there might be a situation where the defense gives them short field and then they still punch it in, which technically speaking would be an offensive touchdown. So I'll go over. I mean, I think it's, I, I think they go over 35 points. And I think 35 points or anything over 35 points, they'll, they'll have more of those, those touchdowns. So yeah, I'll go over. I'm going over too. I'm not super confident in it, but I think this is, I feel like I've said this before. I feel like I said it about Stanford. I feel like I said it about Marshall. I feel like it's a get right week in terms of UNLV is a bad program. And I think that the offense is going to be able to not necessarily do what it wants, but Notre Dame has much superior athletes to so go out there and just score a bunch of points. And if it does get to the point where they're in the thirties or forties relatively quickly, I hope that Freeman keeps his foot on the gas and just keep, score points. Cause your offense needs not only the confidence, but needs to be able to see if they can put up 50 or 60. And that would do wonders. I think, I don't care if it's UNLV. I think it'll do wonders for the program to be like, we just finally a team we're supposed to dominate. We just did. I think that would be huge. So what well, I think the players like, sorry to cut you off. But I think the players need it. Yeah. It's not even necessarily like, Oh my God, the, the program needs to see them put up a 50, 60 spot or something like that. I think like you have so many guys on this offense specifically right now that like need that little, like, okay, I'm, I know I'm a good player moment. Like Lindsay needs that touchdown. If, if Joe Wilkins or Colsey get on the field, like they need to see the ball a little bit, you know, you'd like to see some of those freshmen. Like I, like if Steven Angeli ends up playing in a blowout loss or a blowout win, like you, Whoa. <laughs> I meant like I meant to say blowout loss for UNLV, but like a blowout win for, for Notre Dame. If like Angeli's in there, like you want to see him actually controlling the offense and not just handing the football off. Um, Chris Tyree for as much as we've like wanted him to, to be the guy this year. And, you know, like we talked about it a lot early on, he's been kind of bad, maybe a little bit banged up the past couple of weeks. Like he hasn't been their guy. He needs kind of like that get right game, even though he's, you know, I, I'm sure he has a little bit of confidence just in general. So there's a lot of guys on this offense that just kind of need to see the ball in their hands. Lorenzo, Lorenzo Styles, I think needs to see another touchdown or, or like eight, nine targets his way and catch them all and not, not drop one that kind of thing. Cause he had the one bad drop where it was just an easy pitch and catch, um, you know, maybe not the best throw by Drew Pine, but certainly a ball that, you know, you want your number one wide receiver catching. Um, and then live, I thought the one should have been caught, but it looks like he was probably interfered with. And another reason why the refs kind of were bad, but no, there's just a lot of guys on this offense that, that need a confidence boost. And if you score 55, you know, for example, you score like something like 55 points, you imagine some guys are going to get that confidence boost. Yeah. Side note, I know you didn't mean to say it, but if Notre Dame does somehow get blown out by UNLV, that will be the end of this podcast. We're out. Peace <laughs> reduces. And then the other one, I'm sticking with the theme here because I think it'll be a big day for the offense, over or under 400 total yards of offense. Uh, they had over 400 against both BYU and UNC. 
even in a bad game against Stanford, I think they almost got the 300 and they should have had way more. So I'll go over. I think 400 is honestly kind of like, if you don't go 400, it's pretty bad. Well, I don't know what to expect anymore. So yeah, I, that's fair. That's fair. I thought about 500. I just didn't know. I, because if you think about 500, that's what 300 throwing and 200 on the ground. And yeah, that's exact. 500 is a little excessive, even if you blow someone out. Right. So yeah, I'll go. I'll go over on that. I think it's a good offensive day, but I've been proven wrong before. I'm not really confident in anything I'm saying anymore. Fair enough. You want to go bold predictions? Yeah, let's go bold. Uh, do you have yours ready? Yeah, I'm gonna say this one isn't super bold, but Eli Raritan gets his first catch. He hasn't had a catch yet, right? No, he doesn't. He's been targeted, I think, once or twice, but he's getting his first catch. I won't say what I usually say about freshmen. However, he is a lock to get his first catch, and who knows? Maybe that catch ends up being in the end zone. Yeah, no, that'd be nice. Um, I you kind of mentioned it last week. I think my bold prediction was going to be like, Steve Angeli sees the field and gets and scores a touchdown um, of his own. So whether that's on the ground or through the air. Um, it's getting to the point, and I obviously we were hoping it was going to be last week, but you need to see him on the field. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it's not even just this idea that uh, you want to see him in a blowout and get him some game reps possibly for next year. Like, no, like there's a chance you have to see him this year. And it's not just because Drew Pine played bad this past week. And, you know, maybe that's going to be a theme who knows, like against like, you know, got teams like Syracuse Clemson who have good defenses, but it, what if what if Drew Pine just gets hurt, gets banged up? Like it happens. We saw it with you know the starting quarterback, obviously this year, Tyler Buckner. Like he's out for the year. Yep. It's very possible that Steve Angeli will have to start a game this year. Like that's not something that's inconceivable. So to see him against UNLV, um, you know, I would, and then I think it's kind of the perfect team to kind of throw him in against. Um, you know, we're hopefully that not only is th- are things that clicking on all cylinders, but um, you know, you're, you're, you're playing sort of an inferior opponent and, you know, you can kind of get your confidence up that way. So hopefully, hopefully he's on the field and, and uh, I'm predicting he's going to be on the field and score a touchdown. Yeah. I need to see him at some point, his, I mean, if something were to happen to Pine, Pine's not a big dude. If he gets hit hard, I mean, there's not a whole lot of him to take that. And Jelly's first college action cannot be his first start. That can't happen. You certainly hope not. Right. So hopefully, I mean, that can't be necessarily top of mind for the coaches. They're worried about winning, but um, I'm sure down the, down the bullet list of things they want to happen. I'm sure they want to get Ninjali some sort of snaps, even if it is handing it off, which would kind of suck. Cause I want to see him sling it. I but, think about that sometimes though. And like, yeah. there are plenty of guys that their first collegiate stuff or collegiate performance is their first start. Right. Um, whether it's, quarterback or a different position like I mean I think for example I I don't know for a fact but I think CJ Stroud for example last year his first action was was his first start I don't think he played as a as a right as a true freshman even in even in blowout times so who knows my other bold prediction was there's gonna be two touchdowns from sources other than the offense so give myself special teams and defense here I'm feeling a pick six this week um I don't know who the UNLV starting quarterback is but uh, I'm gonna assume he's not very good. So their guy I, got hurt. Their their guy their starter's been out the last two weeks with a concussion. Even better. So, so yeah, I don't know if some sort of return or if there's a scoop and score, if there's a pick six in there, but not only one, there's gonna be two. Okay, that's definitely bold. 
Yeah. At least from a defensive perspective, there's only been one turnover all year. Yeah. (laughs) Out of 131. Let's go. um, I don't hate it. Um, Did you go over on the four and a half? I forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. So you're projecting bare minimum. You're going like 49 points, 49 points, bare minimum. Yeah. I just want to make sure because when we get to our predictions, I want to make sure you're not screwing yourself. Oh, I'm, a, I'm adjusting my score right now. I had 45. I guess I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you say like, oh, they miss a few extra points or go for two or something like that, but I doubt it. Yeah, I'll blame Groupie there. Um. Wow. Yeah, though, that's big. I mean, I'd love to see like again, like that's another reason like a, a Tyree return for a touchdown would build. I think would build some confidence there because a they don't return those that often. And B, and then B, they, you know, he, he hasn't really done much when he has like returned him this year. So that'd be nice. Brandon Joseph has gotten like very, very close to just breaking one the last like couple weeks. So I'd love to see him get it. That'd be nice. Um, I think Tyree only breaks someone Gus Johnson's on the call. That's fair. I'd love to see Gus Johnson on the call though. So, oh man, another bold prediction. I wasn't prepared this week for my bold predictions like I usually am. Um, you can go to game. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna say that Merriweather. I'm gonna go with. I mean, I, maybe it's a two freshman thing, but I think they build off of it. He should have had two touchdowns last week. I'm gonna say that he goes for. Say you know, no, I'll keep. I'll keep it this way. I think he catches like five passes. That's not is that bold. bold. Is that bold enough? That's what's that? Well, I mean, I guess that's he only five. has one. He has one catch on the season and like two targets. So he's going to, yeah, he's going to five times as many his total receptions on his career. I guess that's good. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say like, he's like, and I, I, the reason I say it is I think he's going to be sort of a focal point of the offense, like starting now. And and it's, again, it's like, it's a good week for him to do it. I need you to say he's getting 101, 100 and a tud. So like five for like one, like five for like 120 and a touch. Yeah. All right. That's what that's I need. Fine. That's fine. I don't even know if that's more bold or not. I don't know either, but it sounds cooler. What's your game yeah. prediction? Game prediction. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit more modest than you. Um, well, gonna, yeah. I have to I'm jump. Gonna, just because it's like, like you said, it's like it. It's hard to trust it right now. Like you, you want to see it. I expect to see it. I just don't think Notre. I don't think UNLV is gonna really be able to stop Notre Dame. I mean, they're. The one thing I'll give Stanford credit for, and it's not even really a credit to like how they played, but everybody wants to say that Stanford was like a a worse performance than Marshall. At least Stanford, you look at their roster and they have players. They have guys that they've gone toe to toe with Notre Dame with on the recruiting trail. They've beat other really good programs for four guys. Like, yes, they're down. They haven't, you know, going into that game, they hadn't beaten an FBS opponent in 11 straight games, whatever it is. Like, name your stat. doesn't sound pretty. But at least Stanford has talented football players on their roster. And you can look at recruiting rankings and just, you know, got player rankings to prove that, right? Everybody thinks Tanner McKee is going to be an NFL quarterback. Whether or not he's a good one, he probably gets drafted. You can't say the same thing for, for teams like Marshall and UNLV, who, yes, they have a couple retread guys that have transferred out of Power 5 programs, and but there's a reason they're transferring to UNLV in that sense, and I'm not trying to, like, crap on those players for doing that. I mean, they, they want to see playing time, whatever it may be, and obviously programs like that will always see kids go to the NFL level and have some success, but it's different. 
So they shouldn't stop. They shouldn't stop, you know, Notre Dame, even when Notre Dame kind of plays bad. That's just my opinion. And I know people are going to point to Marshall and say, oh, well, they didn't score against Marshall. So be it. Um, but we're, with that said, I'm going to say Notre Dame 45, UNLV 10. Literally exactly what I have written in my notes. So I'm going to have to change now. Um, we need the 49 anyway because you said I know. I, I was banking on my predictions all not being right. So I guess I will go 49. I don't necessarily believe in that. I'll go 49-17. 45-10 is what I had written down. So great minds think alike, but forty nine. Twenty. I think I said forty five to ten last week, or I might have said forty five to twenty. Man, but, I had to go back and listen to the podcast after we lose. No, don't do that, bro. Don't do that to yourself. All right, let's get into. We haven't done this, so let's at least in a couple of weeks. Let's get into some fan questions. I know we had some good ones. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for remembering. I thought we were about to wrap up here. I'm pulling it up here now. Shout out to us for remembering. All right. Yeah. Um, first one here from Clutch Sports. And the Pine doesn't see a lot of open receivers. Is this because of his height, his coaching, or just his ability as a quarterback? Um, I'm going to say a little bit of all of them. <laughs> I think he is short. I think his coaching has been a little bit lackluster. I think he's not a great quarterback. And I'm also going to throw in a fourth prong here that I don't think that he has the experience to know and like in this offense specifically to know where guys are supposed to be or, or I don't know. I, th- I think it comes down to an experience thing in the Tommy Reese offense, I guess is my answer here. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing that I, I feel like um, it's kind of probably a mix of both. I mean, I, to be honest with you, and I know people are going to hate me for saying this. I do think it's less coaching. I, I don't think it's it, – I, I really – it's hard for me to blame Tommy Reese in a moment like that. I know, like, Tommy Reese is taking blame, and he should. He's the coach. It's how you, that's how you operate, um, especially, like, not behind closed doors. But there's only so much you can do for a quarterback. And if he can't see the field, like, yeah, maybe you should call some different plays, and then that's where you can blame Reese. But if guys are open and you're throwing it to a guy that's not open or you're not working through your progressions enough and seeing guys wide open, eventually that's on the quarterback. And so the height thing, I think, is definitely a case. I mean, that's that's I mean, scouts say that all the time. They don't like QBs that are small. And a, and a big part of that is because they can't see over the line um, or, or at least for a while. Like things have to open up a little bit for them to see. So I think it's it's perfectly fair to assume that part of it's a height advantage, but, and then I think you kind of brought it up about like kind of just locking on to Michael Mayer. I, I think he's a first rate quarterback. He wants to throw it to Mayer because he thinks Mayer is going to catch the football. So kind of like your fourth option there that you mentioned, I think that's the other thing outside of, outside of coaching is that he locks onto his top target and just kind of assumes everything is going to be okay because of that. And it started biting him in the ass last week. Um, so that's kind of what that my, my take would be on that. All right, moving on here. This is more of a statement. When teams load nine guys in the box, can we please, for the love of God, run Tobias on a fade? I'm begging you, Tommy. Rusty, I agree with you there. Um, okay, five foot nothing, hundred and nothing. I'll keep asking, hoping to get better understanding and clarity. The person, the personnel usage versus Stanford. Estimates usage didn't make sense. Merriweather shines, then is effectively dismissed. Why is this the personnel on the most important play of the game? This is when uh, Notre Dame was fourth and eight. Pine through it, short of the sticks, super frustrating. Um, 
I don't have the answer for the personnel. I thought Espe should have got a lot more carries. I think he, he would be able to beat up that Stanford defensive line. Uh, I don't know. We don't know if he was banged up potentially. Some of the, some of the things that, you know, we think we know the answers to, we don't know the answer. Um, why Merriweather didn't get a target after his touchdown is beyond me. I don't know if they, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know if it's Stanford coverage started to shift more towards him or if Tommy was thinking other ways, Pine didn't see him, Pine was too focused on Mayer. I don't know the answer. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it from just a week to week perspective, I mean, last week we were talking about how Notre Dame, all of their guys had over at bare minimum, it was like 11 carries. None of them had over eight um, or over, sorry, over nine um, this week. So you could argue that the running game should have just been more of a focal point in general, but also when you go down 14, nothing like you start just naturally throwing the football more. Um, I think so. I think, but I think his comment about SMA had more to do with, the beginning of the game because the last couple of weeks you see Tyree kind of start the game and he kind of gets into, you know, they, they sort of just kind of try to get into a flow with him and they go from there. And then it takes a little bit to see digs and estimate. My only gripe with that from a fan perspective is, is the first couple of weeks, all fans did were say Tyree needs to touch the football that he needs to touch the football 15 to 20 times. And then when Notre Dame starts to give him the football 15 to 20 times, or at least attempts to, or, or gives him more touches at the beginning of the game over SMA and digs, all of a sudden it's not good enough. So that's my only gripe. I'm not saying that five foot nothing or uh, his name is Michael. I'm not saying, I, I don't know if Michael, if that's his gripe, because I don't remember if him, if he was one of those guys that said that, but I just remember so many fans were talking about how Tyree needs to touch the ball more. He's your best offensive player. And now people are pissed that he's touching the ball more or at least touching the ball at the beginning of the game. So it's this kind of give and take. Overall, I think me and you both agree on this. Their three running backs are arguably outside of Michael Mayer, their top three weapons on offense, and all of them need to touch the ball more often than nine times in a game. Um, so that would be my gripe is that SMA needs to get, you know, 12 to 15 carries a game. Tyree needs to get 12 to 15 touches a game. And then Diggs kind of the same thing, 12 to 15 touches a game. I know it seems like a lot of rushing, but when you don't have a rushing quarterback like we did with Buckner, you can afford to have, you know, 50 to 60 rushing attempts per game when you're, that's kind of how your offense is built. Um, when it comes to the personnel um, in regards to like Merriweather not seeing the field or on that last possession, it's tough, man, in the two minute warning when you don't really have timeouts and you're trying to just get to the play, get to the play and, or, or get to the line and, and, and call the play. Obviously, you'd like to see Michael Mayer in there on fourth and eight or whatever it was, because I don't remember him being on the field at that time, um, at least from the picture. It looks like that's Matt Salerno, not Mayer. Um, I could be wrong. I haven't rewatched the game this week. I kind of told myself I wasn't going to. I didn't want to do it to myself. So that's probably, I mean, that's that's my fault for, for not having that answer. But I don't know. The You got to run into the sticks. Um, one thing I will say, I mean, his route was bad. And that's, and that's probably play calling. I don't mind if you don't run it to the sticks on fourth down, as long as the guy is in the open field running and you kind of throw it to him in stride. If you throw a seven yard pass, but the guy's wide open, I'm okay with that. But when you run a seven yard curl route, then I, then I have a little bit of an issue with it. So yeah, no, you, you would have liked to see Jaden Thomas run a, a different route. And again, whether that's coaching or personnel, not knowing where the sticks are, um, and it needs to be better. 
Yeah, I could see, you know, Jaden Thomas still being a younger guy, not <clears throat> maybe he's worried about his route, not necessarily worried about where the sticks are. That was the last question is why is JT running a route short of the sticks? The route isn't intended to be short of the sticks. Um, is, is a curl route the best option there? I don't know. I mean, it's it should be – theoretically, it should be a high percentage pass, but um, everybody and their mom, including Stanford, knows that he's breaking there at the sticks. But ultimately, Notre Dame shouldn't be in a position where it has to make a miracle drive at the end to beat Stanford, who's yeah, a bad – it's fair too. So, uh, I mean, we can focus on the little things, but um, that, that last drive and that Jaden Thomas – shitty route and the bad throw by pine at his ankles aren't the reason Notre Dame lost so as much as we want to focus on the last drive and maybe they could have saved it I think even if Notre Dame did pull it off I'd still be mad now because they look like shit against a, t- a Stanford team that's not good so yeah we'd be having back, the same discussion but it'd be at least a little bit different <laughs> right it'd be a little bit happier I guess the route was bad the throw was bad the execution was bad the performance was bad I, that straight up so the officiating was bad he was also interfered with but you know who, who, what are we right and with? yeah Mitchell Evans lines up in the wrong spot wipes off uh, I think it ended up I think it ended up being Tyree that was my was fault it, whatever what somebody lined up doesn't wrong, matter right <laughs> so and I am looking at the I'm looking at the formation right now I, th- I think it is Mayor Mayor is in there so I was yep. wrong on that so they had Mayor I think it was Styles. Jaden Thomas, obviously, because the ball went to him, and then Salerno is lined up on the opposite side. I think, yeah. and then I think you had Logan Diggs in the backfield, if I'm not mistaken. It might have been Chris Tyree. Frustrating as all hell, anyways. Yep, very true. Any other questions? That's it. All right. Are we doing a spaces after this or no? I don't think so. No? All right. Fair enough. I got to hit the gym at some point. So I got to go early, big dog. Man, I, I wish I had the, I wish I had the time like you. Yep. You work as many hours as a banker. I work as many hours as a personal trainer. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I know we rambled a little bit today, but I think at this point in time, it's just one of those things where it's it's hard to decipher what's going on. We want to see some better points. Nobody knows. Not even us. You guys ask us. We don't know either. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, we will see maybe maybe we'll throw spaces on here later this week but we were thinking about doing one immediately after this but we'll probably either wait till tomorrow or friday or maybe after the game on saturday depending on how things go um depending on how things go is right (laughs) we'll throw one on there so uh thanks for tuning in again obviously nathan erbach here is joined with as always with my co-host uh mason plumber thanks for tuning into the golden homers podcast see you guys later go irish